Blog Talk Radio. It's August 6, 2017. Hello, and welcome to Working for a Living Radio Show, where progressives for change present opinions that matter. Tonight, we're joined by co-hosts Jeff Brown and David Fillion. I'm your moderator, Leroy McKnight. Please, remember that good leadership is never about power and control, but rather for the honor and privilege of serving the members in the interest of the membership. Having said that, we certainly hope everyone enjoyed this past week and that you had a lot of fun and that you stayed safe during this holiday season. We have an editorial comment this evening. While Team Working for a Living Caucus makes no justifications, excuses, or any validation whatsoever for the unforgivable indictment news of this year, we do, however, extend our sincere contrition and apologies to any and all of our UAW membership, our sister unions, their leadership, their members, and any and all workers aspiring to become union members for the unforgivable behavior and mindset that has given rise to the indictments of this year. We recognize As with all unions, our union is a union of the members. And as such, we do also implore the current ruling caucus of our great union, the United Auto Workers, to put an end to these seemingly incessant indictments that continue to tear down our union and unionism itself. End quote. We have a few announcements. Um, remember that Team Working for a Living supports Medicare for Everyone, and that we also uh, support uncapping Medicare so that the 95, 90, I'm sorry, 99% who only control of the money in our country get a little help from the one percenters who control 95% of the money. Uncap Medicare and put just a little bit of their money to work helping to pay for our great government in this great United States. It's a little simple thing to do. Medicare for everybody and uncap Social Security And you'd be surprised the money that will start to flow and help to right our ship. There's one more thing to do, but we'll get into that another time. Second announcement. Team Working for a Living continues to oppose the Working Families Flexibility Act. Announcement three. Team Working for a Living continues to stand shoulder to shoulder with the Michigan Building Trades against the legislation introduced to repeal Michigan's prevailing wage. Additionally, the Building Trades have asked 
that we support declined to sign. There appears to be a petition going around, and the campaign to decline to sign has been activated. Uh, if you are presented with a petition to sign regarding prevailing wage, decline to sign it, please. Thank you. Announcement, and that's on behalf of the Michigan Building Trades, by the way. And thank you to all the hard work they're doing to uphold the good name of unionism. Announcement number four. Unfortunately, there is more on the training center, uh, the National Training Center monies matter. It appears that Jerome Durden, 61 of Rochester, a financial analyst for FCA, was charged with conspiracy to defraud the U.S. by impairing, impeding, and obstructing the Internal Revenue Service by helping cover up the alleged fraud. That's been reported. Announcement number five, a certification vote was conducted at Nissan, the results of which were 1,307 brave souls and voting in favor of being represented by the United Auto Workers. And unfortunately, 2,274 voted not to be represented by the United Auto Workers. Team Working for Living would like to not only extend our thanks to each and every one of the 1,307 uh, workers who voted for UAW representation, but also wish you well as you now continue to stand union tall as you deal with the aftermath of the vote result. Best wishes for you all. Announcement number six, Toyota and Mazda have announced a joint venture and intend to build a $1.6 billion plant creating as many as 4,000 jobs during our upcoming leadership tenure expected. Team Working for a Living aspires to include those that, those new ta uh, ta Toyota Mazda workers in our UAW family. Announcement number seven, in keeping with our platform plank, that when all things are equal, we will endorse a working candidate over a candidate from academia. The Working for a Living Caucus leadership team has taken action to, to endorse Sister Kathy Glasson for Governor of Iowa. Sister Glasson is president of SEIU, Service Employees International Union, in Iowa, and promises to be an amazing governor of Iowa who supports everyday workers. To help assist Sister Gleason, please consider making a donation to her campaign at Glasson, G-L-A-S-S-O-N, for governor, 323rd Street, Southeast, SE, Unit 200, Cedar Rapids, Iowa, 52401. Remember, because of campaign finance laws, your employer name and your address must accompany any donation. Thank you for considering helping Sister Glasson as she aspires to be governor of Iowa. Okay, let's see. Um, we have um, 
email now. Uh, first email came in. Uh, like your union, support your union, but don't be a union puppet and think they do no wrong. Call them out and demand they do their job. That was from New York. We try to do that here. Call them out, demand they do their job. I think our statement early on, uh, editorial comment, uh, covered that. Uh, now, email two, we need fighters in the international that's not afraid of telling corporate to shove it up their ass. They should have made us a true union and make us whole, stand as one, equal work, equal pay, but no, we are still divided. Again, from New York, different person. Now, uh, email number three, for years we have thought the UA IUAW was in bed with the company and corrupt. Now you know it's true. What should we do from Michigan? What should you do? Take a look around you. Listen to this show where we educate you about the issues that help to make our country and our union better. For example, we've talked to you about NAFTA, about GATT, about the global tax imbalance that has caused all 89% of our jobs to be sucked overseas without any attention from the union. We've educated you about dead peasants insurance, where corporate executives and the executive suite at the highest level gain unnecessarily from dead peasants insurance. We'll put links to all of those shows up on our page. And a lot of other things that we've educated you for and about. And, of course, the news of the day. Um, oh, geez, another another email here. <laughs> uh, yeah, email four. Uh, I conducted a poll among the members. The question was, do you have faith in the UAW leadership? 86 percent said no and 14 percent said yes from Missouri uh, that's uh, really sad that that's the case it really is I mean this is our union and we do, we deserve better than that um, so uh, here's another one from Michigan email I cannot believe that Dennis Williams said they do not tolerate corruption at any level at the same time that his union is retaliating against three members who asked our union to remove someone, a narcotics felon, who the law says prohibited from holding office. And that's from Michigan. Um, we should all do our very best to assure that the laws of our land are indeed followed as we run our union and as those in charge run our union. We ask them to, you know, stay 
the very, you know, to the letter of the law as best they can. If you're a narcotics felon, you are prohibited from holding office in a union for 13 years from the end of your discharge. That's what the law says. When a member stands up, when a member stands up and says, please follow the law in a nice way, and they don't, and then emergency appeal sent to the IUAW, asking that they enforce the law, and finally somebody takes them out, removes them from office, and then they start to retaliate on the people that upheld the law. There's something out there called the Whistleblowers Act that seems to be appropriate on this matter where you hold somebody to the to account when they violate the law. This isn't fabricated in any way. His record is a matter of public record on the Internet Criminal History Access Tool, iChat, by the state police. Can't be altered. They're above reproach in the state police. And his record, as indicated on iChat, was sent as part of an appeal, emergency appeal, and later an appeal in his local, at the local level, because he was elected and stood for, nominated, stood for, was elected, and took the oath of office yet again. And of course, the election guide handbook prohibits that from occurring. And why that was not upheld at the local level is yet another question. But the international made were, were made aware of that, and they should have done it without reprisal. And now, the reprisals themselves are prohibited by 481E of the National Labor Relations Act for those paying attention. And the executive board need not only adhere to the Constitution, but also federal law regarding such matters. I shake my head sometimes. But that's the answer to this uh, person from Michigan. All right. Up next we have this week in Worker News. Uh, but first we have some quotes. we got two this week because it seems to be that kind of time of the year, I suppose. Maybe there's a full moon or close to it. First quote, you can make excuses or you can make progress, never both at the same time. Author unknown. This week we have a second insightful quote. We are what we repeatedly do. Excellence, then, is not an act, but a habit. And our good friend Aristotle said that. Thank you very much, Aristotle, for your wisdom. Um, let's see, let's bring Jeff on tonight. See how he's doing. Hello, Jeff. How are you? I'm good, Leroy. How are you? I'm pretty good. You know, it's you know a lot of stuff going on, and uh, you know, it 
just starts to wear on you. You know, we got a, a person in the, uh, the white, white, uh, you know, in the White House. He he just tweets stuff and expects it to be true. And uh, you know, that kind of just starts to wear on you a little bit. You know, that somebody, you know, thinks he got a phone call and he didn't get a phone call, and you know, you start to really begin to wonder, you know, if he really does believe everything he tweets because some of it's abstractly not correct so uh that's bothering me a little bit this week you know i guess i i don't want to sound too down but with other stuff that's going on i'm just not real happy uh about the current state of our country and really unionism has taken a real hit this last week so that's how i'm doing jeff how's you doing okay in your end of the world yeah, everything's fine down here in Flat Rock at the moment, so we'll see tomorrow. Um, okay. Okay, uh, let's bring David on. Hi, David. Yeah, right. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Dave. How's things over on the lake, buddy? Oh, pretty good. Um, uh, we uh, finished up with uh, our aquatic weed assessment. Um, we didn't find good things in that um, one invasive species that um, really will have to be dealt with, and that could be a money issue. Um, hopefully, we can contain that to um, you know the at the point where it's at now. Um, I would encourage people that when you Take your boat from one body of water to another. Please wash it. That's how invasive species spread. And uh, that's what I've been looking at this week, Leroy. Um, I was happy to get that portion of my parameters completed and uh, the data uploaded to the Department of Environmental Quality. So um, that's, that's good. That, that was a lot of work, wasn't it? Um, it was enough. <laughs> yeah, it was enough. Yeah, being out there on those windy days on the water blowing your boat around is something else. I, you know, I, I know that's uh, always a chore. Well, you know, you get a little pleasure out of that, too, because you're out on the water and you get some sun and things like that. So having said that, uh, let's move on with the show. Uh, Jeff, you have a, a report there you ready to give? Yeah, I have a report, but first I want to make a comment on one of the announcements concerning uh, Toyota and Mazda doing a joint venture here in the United States. Um, people need to know that Mazda was here from 1987 to 2012. I know that because I worked for them. They hired me in back in 1987. They left in 2012 stating that they had plants in Japan that were under capacity and for them to be coming back kind of surprises me um, they're they're a good company to work for better than Ford Motor Company as my uh, older brothers and sisters at my plant will tell you about. they would much rather have the Japanese back but anyway it, I'm glad they're coming back. Um, they're coming in with 4,000 new jobs. 
somewhere. We don't know where yet, but somewhere. But that's some good news for our economy. Um, my report is on the news with the indictments at Chrysler Fiat UAW, the um, indictments going on. Um, there was some arraignments this past week. Mrs. Holyfield, the wife of the ex-VP, uh, the late ex-VP, General Holyfield, she was indicted and pleaded not guilty this week. Um, there's more to be charged because they're saying that there's uh, more people involved, even more upper-ranked UAW members, leaders in town. Um, and it doesn't surprise me. Um, we knew back in 2011 that Mr. Holyfield was selling second-tier jobs. And I'm sure he wasn't the only one. He was selling them for $3,000 a piece. Um, they went into this... Uh, oh, let's see what it is. They formed a group that they would funnel money into, and they were taking it from the uh, training, National Training Center Fiat, Chrysler, and UAW. I want some of the people to, to understand exactly how much money was taken. If the union members want to sit down, I'm going to tell you some very exciting news, or not exciting news, but painful news. General Holyfield paid off $262,000 on his mortgage in his Harrison Township home. And from what the money he gathered from this little scheme. Um, credit card charges of $200,000 for jewelry, designer clothes, and furniture. It's a lot of money. $30,000 in airfare for San Diego, Miami, Las Vegas, and Los Angeles. And a four nights at Beverly Hills Hotel for $3,000 per night. This is what we know so far. And this is coming from the Department of Justice. These totals here. Um, Bob King knew about it when he was president. He told both the company man and Tony Jones that they could go to jail, that they just keep giving money to this charity. Um, so once King said that they formed a different company to set up. It was continuing to put money into it, so he's taking from it. So if King knew about it, why isn't he being indicted? Maybe he is, but I'm not mentioning names. He did say that others with top leadership were involved. You know, King should have yanked, pulled them out right there and there. Um, as for the gentleman who worked for Fiat Chrysler, he is working at GM. The GM is now studying the case to review whether or not he remains an employee at GM. Um, 
this is not the type of news you want to use to get more people into our union. Dennis Williams, if you want people to get in our union, give them no reason to want to be in the union. They're not a bunch of just BS that you're creating down there. Your, your official statement this week was very weak. And we challenge you to stand up and be more forceful. But I don't think you know how to do that since you're so close to companies. So we are going to watch this for a little bit more, see who else gets indicted from the UAW. So that's my report with Leroy. Okay, Jeff, uh, thanks for your report. I'd like to just add that the things you reported on are all out in the press and or mm-hmm. part of the indictments themselves uh, that have been uh, available for some time now for the last, uh, what's it, uh, 11 days uh, since the 26th, and it's now the 6th, so... Um, with 31 in July, and that makes today the 11th day that this news came out. Uh, so that's all, everything that's been reported. This isn't something that uh, you came up with, or we come up with, or you know, concocted or fabricated or anything. These are these are facts that are out in the news or on the uh, indictment themselves. Is that correct? That is 100% correct. Thank you. Okay. This is from um, Automotive News. Yeah. I didn't make it an announcement, but uh, I know that you're, you know, real close to a young man uh, and uh, did everything that you could and, and, of course, the facility you work at and the union that you're a member of, the local union you're a member of, did some nice things for this young person. Uh, And unfortunately, you know, would you like to report on that a little bit? I'll let, I'll let you give yeah. that news out. I think it's, you know, it might not have been an announcement, but, you know, I think, you know, because he was so close to you, you might want to talk about it a little bit. Yes, we had a, a young man who came to uh, our plant, very young, probably about 13, 14 years old, maybe a little younger. He passed away yesterday. He passed away from a rare brain cancer. He, he had a love for Mustangs, and through the Make-A-Wish program, he wanted to tour the Mustang plant, for which I work at now. He came in, his whole family, they brought him in. We knew he was coming, and we just showered this young man with Mustang clothing, Mustang die-cast cars, you name it. He walked out with a load of uh, memorabilia and things that he enjoyed. Um, for a while there, he was stable. He's been in our plant a couple times. We had a black party for him earlier this June, and he was really feeling good. We had it right here in, this, in the Flat Rock area, in the Boston area. And he traveled all the way up from Alabama, where he lives. Um a lot of my day shift coworkers really came attached to him. They kept in touch with him. We made him an honorary 
UAW Local 3000 member. And the outpouring of love that my plant gave to this young man was very, very encouraging. Good news there. I mean, that's what union members need to do. We need to stick up for each other. And that's exactly what my my local people did at my plant. Um, we are trying to find out ways that we can send the family cards and letters and, and flowers. Um, he, it's just sad. But he meant the world to our plant, my members. Uh, I see a lot of people taking it very hard on Facebook today of the news of his passing. But uh, he will not be forgotten in our hearts. And we will always cherish him of being a member of Local 3000. And um, we say give our support to his family, his parents. Um, it just, he uplifted a lot of people by his strength and courage fighting this cancer. Um, so it's just a sad day for us, for Local 3000. He will be deeply missed. He made a lot of friends. That's all I got, Leroy. Okay, thank you, Jeff. I know that bothered you a lot. Uh, but let's extend our brother Eli, you know, the very best wishes, and may he rest in peace forever. Uh, a good young man, even at 13, 12 or 13 years old, a union brother and acted like it while he was with you. So we, th we thank him for what he gave you. And again, Brother Eli, rest in peace. Uh, having said that, David, do you have any questions for Jeff? Um, yeah. Um, when uh, Mazda was at your plant, um, you were leadership in your facility. It's my understanding that you had a very good working relationship with Mazda, and they respected you. Um, that's encouraging um, as we aspire to ascend to leadership quite possibly the good relationship that you built with Mazda will help in aiding us to um, organize this these 4,000 members and that Mazda will come along willingly the same way they did when they came to Flat Rock they actually asked the union to come so exactly. That's encouraging. Exactly. That's encouraging. It is encouraging. Oh. Thank when you for building that relationship. Yeah. When they left, we had a uh, town, town hall meeting in the cafeteria. They had some VPs from Ford, some high-level Boston uh, management here to give a last speech. And after... The uh, town hall meeting was over. There was a few of us that were hanging out in the cafeteria, and we walked up to the, the remaining Japanese member uh, who was still there. He went up and shook his hand, thanked him for coming to Florida and providing us jobs. And the man looked down in tears. You know, he couldn't understand English very well, but he understood what we were telling him, and he understood the situation. Um, so Mazda will, 
might lead you to contact the UAW again. Toyota might be a hard struggle. But let's hope. Let's hope. Thank you, Jeff, for your relationship with Mazda, and you add yet another dynamic, positive dynamic to the word unionism. Thank you for everything you do for this caucus and for unionism at large. We really appreciate it. I know the membership does as well. Uh, having said that, I don't have anything else for you, Jeff. Uh, David, you know, unless you have anything else, why don't you start your report? Okay, Larry, um, this week... Um came across a um, uh, news editorial. Um, not real sure where they um, disseminated their information. Um, quite possibly it was an AP um, piece. But at any rate, um, it speaks to um, high-level meetings that were held in Detroit. Um, a leadership team of union and management spent five days discussing large towns' position in the small car industry. Um, statement was made by the union. Um, doesn't speak to um, any specific union um, representative who made the statement that Lordstown must maintain the highest level of quality to be in the best position to receive future product consideration. Um, I'm not in agreement with that. Um, you and I know very well that our brothers and sisters were walked out of Buick City with their J.D. Powers awards in hand as the bulldozers closed in behind them. Um, as far as to um, the level of quality of the vehicle, I certainly hope that this union official was speaking to General Motors Corporation in regards to quality. Our members are only responsible for quality up to the point where they follow every element of their job description. If you miss a clip, um, don't get something, the wires connected, you have an and-on cord, you pull that, the line stops, you fix it, and then you release that vehicle down the line. That's where our quality ends. Um, we're not responsible for the build of the car. Um, paragraph 8 of the National Agreement Management's Rights um, states specifically, exactly and specifically that they're responsible for all of that. Um, if there are um, to be um, production standard issues and the union disagrees, that's our position to grieve. Um, so that's where I stand on that, Leroy. It's my opinion that the corporation is responsible for the quality of the vehicle, not our numbers. Um, we see a high amount of um, recalls our members aren't responsible for those recalls. A lot of these recalls have been associated to supplier um, parts that come into our facilities. Um, when we were vertically integrated, we didn't have as many of these issues as we see today because we had better control over the build of each and every part of the vehicle that we assemble. 
Um, so that addresses that. Um, the other um, issue is a fellow named John McElroy. Um, you would normally know him as being associated with Auto Line Daily. Um, he has the opinion as well that um, quality and costs will be a major factor in Lordstown's sustainability. Then he goes on to say that um, just because you decide not to build a passenger car in Lordstown does not mean you can easily fill it up with crossover or SUV. General Motors already has the capacity it needs to make all the CUVs and SUVs that people are buying. And moreover, it has several other passenger car plants. There are several in Michigan as well as this snapshot in time. It looks like GM might be stuck with more capacity than it needs to be able to make passenger cars, said McElroy. My opinion, this guy's got his own sandbox until we start taking dues out of his paychecks. He probably should stay in his own stand, in his own sandbox. Um, he also suggests that when it comes to costs, there are things that can be done, and maybe that be accepting more entry-level workers into the plant who are at a lower wage rate, so you can keep those lower-cost passenger cars competitive. Well, let me explain something to Mr. McElroy. In this contract um, period, it's not expected that any more um, employees will be hired to full-time at any of our facilities. And I'm really disappointed in Dennis Williams that in our contract, he didn't build into it any plant-closing moratoriums, and he left a portion of our members without supplemental unemployment benefits during these layoffs. As we've discussed before, the dollar is at an all-time high. And it has no place to go but down. And when it does, these cars are going to be back in business. Um, so that's my position, Leroy, on the quality issues. And um, I think that, you know, we really just need to ride the tide out on this because we are going to see the bottom of the dollar again. And when that happens, um, these cars are going to sell again. Okay, David. Uh, Jeff, do you have anything for David to add or comment on David's report? Yeah, Dennis, we need to get his head out of his ass. Allowing this to happen, um, it made great claims that no plants will be shutting down. Um, surprise, Dennis! Right again. Okay. So yeah. Away. Okay. Thank you. Uh, I have a couple things on David's report. Uh, you talked about the Dow being all-time high. I want to point out something. Uh, in the late 70s, early 80s, gold went from $32 an ounce when they started trading it 
and went to $866 an ounce pretty quickly, five to six years, arguably, whenever you start that chart. And then it started coming down. It was in what's called a geometric curve that whole time. It went almost straight up near the end. And it came down four points in two days. And the third day, it crashed nearly 300 points, $300 an ounce. This can happen overnight, essentially overnight, within a few days. And when the people decide that it's no longer going up and they see it coming down, people are going to bail. And this is not investment advice, but rather don't get shocked when you see this stuff turn around and go the other way. And also, remember this, it's going to trigger some things that we're not going to like. Pension funding goes below 80%. It's 91 now. It goes below 80%. All you retirees out there listening, going to get your pension cut in half because that's in black letter print in our contract. Thank you, Dennis Williams. That was on your watch and all the leadership to negotiate and, and jam that down people's throats. So... I want to just say this this can change it's amazingly fast uh, and don't be shocked if it does because we have the same type of geometric curve this market has gone from 6600 to 22,090 I think was it so 15,000 points essentially straight up with little to no correction and we should have gotten some clawback. We should have gotten some clawback in this last agreement. Like David said, we should have had plant moratorium, plant closing moratoriums. We also should have had something that would protect our members in a downturn for longer. Subpay for those temporary workers and refund or overfund the sub benefit so that it could be extended because the and maybe change the language because it's only paid when you're getting unemployment and it could have been changed to supplement our members for a longer period of time and none of that was done arguably at the contract that was at the top of the in the apex of this market even though it's now almost two years hence it was the first contract we could have had any clawback language quid pro quo to quote a, a long time friend of labor quid pro quo that's you know we give you a little bit and you give some back when it's time we don't see that so David's spot on that nothing was done in this contract to help us in a market downturn plant closing and moratoriums and he's also spot on that quality and cost are not always the measures for attracting or retaining product in your facility. I can speak very clearly, as most of you know, I hired into the very building where the sit-down strikes took place. 
when they started attacking unionism in the early 80s, notwithstanding that we had the lowest cost four-cylinder motor. See, we built we built the straight six there for decades. It was the standard for Chevrolet for a long time. It's called the plant was called affectionately Chevy in the hole because we were down on the river, down in the hole, down on the river. I always like to think of it as Chevrolet on the river. But the, the straight six, and then we added a V8 sometime in the uh, early eight, uh, 70s. They added a, a V8, and then a four-cylinder in the late 70s. Lowest cost, highest quality motor anywhere in the corporation the four-cylinder was. Lowest cost, highest quality. Yet and still, because that pioneer hall was a target, if you can kill the root, you can kill the plant. Kill the root of an organization and you'll kill the organization. That was their strategy, still is. But that first engine, notwithstanding lowest quality or highest quality, lowest cost in the whole organization, was moved from Chevy in the hole to Tonawanda, New York. Now, we're not mad at you, Tonawanda, at all. We're happy that you're still building a low-cost, high-quality motor up there and hope you don't lose it. But the motivation and the move of that wasn't so much quality or cost, but rather for the motivation of undermining the union and the union principles where they began. That's my opinion. I'll I'll die with that opinion. Ain't nobody going to change it. So, your position, David, that that uh, quality, like the Buick people that had awards in their hands for quality when the bulldozers came in, again, a political decision at Buick. There's not a outside. There's not a opinion where. Yeah, there's not a brick. Um, one second, there's not a brick standing at Chevrolet Flint Manufacturing today. Chevy in the hole. There's not a brick standing. It's a park now, and it has a, a historical marker. My job was 70 feet to the northeast, my northwest of that marker. My first job, I worked with the sit downers, and I was admonished the second day I worked there. Being, being told by an, by a sit-down, an old man who came out. He didn't wait for some, you know, union awareness committee to come and talk to me. He is a self-appointed union awareness committee. He came to me and he said, we're walking out on the sidewalk. He said, people died right here on this sidewalk so you could work here today, and don't you ever forget it. I submit to you. But I listened to that old man. Always wondered about him. I turned to my friend who was walking with and asked him, what about that guy? He's oh, he's crazy. Turns out he wasn't so damn crazy. I used to think about him on my anniversary day, the day of that day I got hired in. And then as a union officer, every month when we had a union meeting, and 
these days, barely a day goes by that I don't think of that old man and thank him for what he told me and how sorely our union needs that that mentality. People died so I could enjoy that employment. And people before the current leadership have given us all that we have. And since, I'm going to say 2000, there's been nothing but concessions from the leadership. Maybe 2002. The VEBA, taking of the reimbursement for health, for Medicare, taking away the $1,000-a-year cola ketchup, otherwise known as Christmas bonus, stopping of the funding of pensions, language in the contract that cuts pensions in half for existing retirees. Not new ones, existing ones. Language in the contract that creates temporaries that don't have a pathway to seniority status after 90 days or 180 or some some arbitrary timeline. Now, six different tiers of member in the plan. We thought five, but they admitted six here about a month ago. We need people with a mindset that people died on the sidewalk so we could have it better. Not people that want to continue to give us concessions. Even in the face of all we've given, they're still talking about, oh, let's pile up some more temporaries so we can cut the cost. You want to cut the cost? You want to stop bankruptcies? Address dead peasants insurance. You go look at that, and then you start talking to us, brother. I don't even want to say your brother, Mr. McElroy or whatever your name is. So, David, you had something else. I didn't. I wanted to finish my thought before. Go ahead, David. Um, I think um, Mr. McElroy, McElroy is remiss and that he doesn't understand what unions do. We represent members, and when we represent them, We represent them for higher pay, working conditions, and ever our lowers of work. That's what unions do. And Dennis Williams should take notice that he now has a corporate media specialist defining for him what our union is and suggesting to him how to represent our members. Came working for a living will never allow any academia or media um, specialist to define what our union is and how we and how we represent employees. Uh, I hope he understands that. That's all I have to say, Larry. Okay, thank you. That's all I had to add to your report. Um, thank you for your report, David. Really appreciate it a lot. 
more than you know. I appreciate everything you do for our union and for unionism as it is. Always upholding the highest standard for unionism. Thank you. I'll start with my report. Um, we, we've had two sets of indictments, and one on January 9th, one on July 26th. Eleven days have gone by since the second ones. This is a sad day for our union, for unionism and at, our, at, at large. And we've heard the blaming of bad actors. We've heard, oh, people have used this for their own political gain. We heard last week on this show, my report, the sad news that came out. But then we talked about the response from our union president. And we talked about his response, not the matter itself. Talked about his response. How he said it's only corporate money in this NTC, National Training Center. And how it's illegal for a corporation to give a union anything of value. Well, you can arguably, arguably say, oh, that's not that's not the union. Oh, it's not. Then how come so damn many of our people work over there? And they pay them. But they're still, I mean, nobody's quit to go to work at this other entity. They still are UAW members now, aren't they? Staff members, by the way. They still work for the UAW, but they're over there and that they're paying them. That's a thing of value, and that's against the law. We talked about that. And if that's political gain, my goodness, maybe we like to just uphold the law a little bit in our union. But in reality, that's not true, or would they would have already been held to account by the National Labor Relations Board, because there's been a lot of movement by a lot of brothers and sisters in the past to try and stop that money from coming in and to identify it as coming from the corporation solely. I can think of one brother that's got a whole room full of file cabinet information on the matter itself. I'm not talking about a four-drawer file cabinet. I'm talking about 20 to 30 file cap, four-drawer file cabinets full of information on the matter, and he has done everything in his power to stop that influx of money that seems to taint, seems to taint, in our opinion, the leadership, as we're seeing play out in front of us right now. So it's not true that it's all corporate money. And as that brother would tell you, there is an authority from the early 80s that allows joint funds. It started out with equal money from the union and the corporation 
that funds this separate entity. Joint funds jobs. You see, it's called deferred money. Before any member working per hour, there are monies deferred at the local level, earmarked for local level, and deferred monies earmarked for the national level. Those are union monies. Those are paid to the union and then redistributed for joint programs in a number of ways, whether it's building a, a training center, an office where they can train folks, joint monies, or being distributed, redirected to the National Training Center in equal measure, supposed to have been equal measure. That was the intent of the original authority. Now, there's, it's become quite arguable whether it's equal anymore, and there's some uh, thought that they actually have a, an account that's quite large uh, because of deferred monies from the past when we had hundreds of thousands of auto worker members. And some of that money is still on paper sitting there. No money is very clear. No money's actually really been diverted into these. It just seems to be on paper. And that money's then pulled from the union uh, fund and then on paper put into this National Training Center. So that wasn't exactly true. And that's not using it for our own political gain. That's just setting the story straight because our president couldn't get it correct. You know, how you respond, you know, you're always going to have something happen from time to time. You're always going to have some tumultuous item pop up. How you respond to it is the measure of who, who the hell you are. Okay? You blamed the bad actors. You blamed our show for political gain. We didn't make political gain on the matter itself. We made political gain on your answer, as I just indicated. Neither of the things you said in those regards were true. Neither of them. One breaks the law, and the other's in black letter print in every contract that's out there. All you got to do is look up joint funds, find how much diverted money and whether it's local or national, and those are supposed to be the funds that go to the National Training Center. That's funding for the joint programs. The National Training Center is a joint-funded program. Separate entity, albeit. Yeah. Dues dollars were not used. Union funds diverted from members' paychecks were used. You just don't have it right, Dennis. Okay. The other thing that's absent from your actions in response to all of this very, very bad news about unions and our member, a couple of our leaders, 
at least one of our leaders and, and his ex-wife or widow. No apology was made like was read on our show earlier tonight. We offer contrition to our membership, our sister unions, their leadership, all their members, and anybody ever wanting to be a union member. We're sad. And we want to hold you to account. And that's what this is all about. That's not political gain. I'm going to tell you something, Dennis. In all of the ilk that are around you, we despise you. Each and every one of you. You got one of them in your inner circle that say he'd rather have scabs than the skill trades from a sister plant, sister union. In your circle, Dennis, inner circle. I'm not supposed to know that, but I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. I tell you. So you see, we exist out here because of your ineptness. And we're going to get into that a little more in just a second. You are inept at running our union. All of your PR people, not a one of them said, you know, have a little contrition, then put the ball where it needs to be, and move forward. I'm going to tell you something else, Dennis. Anything we've ever said about you has never been personal or fabricated, malicious. It has been mostly just taking your words and seeing if they're true, seeing if you know what you're doing. And the answer is abstractly, you don't. You're in over your head. All of the comments on social media, Gittlefinger put some of this stuff in action. King King rubber stamped it and allowed it, even though he supposedly said, oh, you better not do that. As a leader, as a leader, you're seeing how you're supposed to run things. If you have a, a truly somebody that's breaking the law, you have got an obligation to your membership, just like Jeff Brown did and company at his local union, to say, this member here is breaking the law. This isn't fabricated. This is, by in fact, substantiated by the Michigan State Police. Nothing was fabricated. It was fact. And finally, finally, somebody actually stood up and upheld the law of the United States. Nothing personal. We don't care what you do with your personal life. We really don't. We're worried about how you run this union. We know you guys aren't choir boys. We don't care. As long as you're not taking advantage of our membership and your behavior, and as long as you're making the right decision, we would not be in existence. This caucus and all of our supporters and our friends 
would not even exist because we'd be happy sitting around working or collecting a pension or whatever we do. Your inability to run this union in the interest of the membership is why we exist. Now I'm going to give you a real good example. After our show last week where we admonished you about an actor, a bad actor, attacking a member, elected official, attacking a member at a membership meeting, and we made great hay out of that. That's true. That's all true that that happened. Somebody hastily put together a response to appeals and charges that have been forwarded to the international level. You signed that. You signed that response. Looked like he's mad when you signed it too, because it kind of scribbled. But that's my opinion. Let me tell you what you did, Dennis. You see, charges on a member are legal documents. Appeals in the process are legal documents, each deserving an individual answer. Your signature is on a response that combined arguably four and maybe more charges and appeals that went to your level. Your organization does not understand the Constitution and how it provides for an emergency appeal that never goes to the local union. It only goes to the international, the IAB. Yet and still, that document chastised that for not going through the local. Provisions, Article 3117D, provide for emergency appeal through another paragraph. And before that converts to an appeal that goes to you. There was an emergency appeal and appeal on the charges on one person. Emergency appeal, or a regular appeal on charges of another person, and yet another appeal. Bundled together. These are not supposed to be bundled together. Each one is a legal document deserving an answer. And if you answer something, you ought to know what you're talking about, Dennis. I'm dismayed that you hadn't asked somebody, what am I signing? Your signature's on it. We'll just go with the three that it should have been split up as. One of them has been fulfilled because the man's been removed. It was an emergency appeal to the IAB to remove somebody in violation of 29 U.S.C. 504 as a narcotics felon. He shouldn't be holding office in our great union. The other two were related to a man attacking a member 
in our great union at a meeting, a regular general membership meeting, because he didn't like what he said. Attacked him. Elected official did that. And, of course, the only thing that the chair of any meeting is responsible for is maintaining order. And Robert's rules of order, which we're uphold to abide by, as the order under our Constitution, order the rules of order that we're supposed to conduct business by, very clearly says that the chair, chair, otherwise known as our president, that's in, in, you know presiding over our union meeting, should something fight break out, that he is empowered or she is empowered to have an ad hoc committee, appoint an ad hoc committee. You, you, and you, you're a committee for order. You address this, remove them from the building. They are not to return. They're to leave the premises. That's very clearly spelled out in Robert's Rules of Order. And when the president or the presiding officer, chairperson, if you will, is not in in control of the meeting, then they're in violation of Robert's Rules of Order and, by extension, in violation of the Constitution and, by extension, by in violation of their own oath of office that they're con- and the duties of office. But you signed something. They combined all of those appeals together. And you should ask, Dennis, which appeal does this one answer? Because a legal document under the charges of Article 31 or any appeal under Article 33 are required to have an individual answer. Quite frankly, it's tantamount to saying, oh, well, um, let's have uh, the issue of uh, the VEBA thrown in with the national bargaining agreement, and uh, let's, let's throw in medical marijuana, and we'll sign it all in answer to everybody. I know that this is all coming from a single local union, and you'd like to address it in one big bundle, but that's not how you do it, Dennis. There's procedure, just like the grievance procedure. While there's collective bargaining, every grievance needs to stand on its own merit. Probably, I don't know. These are essentially charges and grievances. They need to stand on their own merit. You just don't bundle them together at your level. Do you know how inappropriate that was? Do you know how many people that work for you that you put at risk? These are legal documents. These are legal documents. And there are people that work for you. They're abiding by higher authority as professionals that you've put at risk by signing this document. And that is just unacceptable, Dennis. You know, they've been saying, Gettlefinger started it, King rubber stamped it and put it all in, and you're in over your head. And this is one example. 
This has nothing to do, absolutely nothing to do, with the matter of indictments. What it has to do with your ability to perform your duties in your office, and it's deplorable. Each and every charge and appeal needs its own separate answer. The best thing you can do is retract what you sent as a mistake and error in judgment on somebody. Blame it on somebody. Whoever wrote it, it wasn't you, I don't think, but you signed it. Retract it and then give proper answers to them. You know, you can ferret it out somehow. Not hard. Dennis, you're not doing too good. I know you're under a lot of stress. And you've never, ever seen anything like us ever before. Certainly not me, a real real political challenger. You know, you haven't seen anybody like me. And that's why I always got elected. And that's why the people around me in my county, Ingham County, we went from 8 to 5 on our county commission to 12 to 1. And the 1 said he'd do anything we asked him regarding labor. And we now endorse him and have for many years. Not a bad guy. There were two Republicans left under my three. Three Republicans left under after when I left. We haven't had a congressman elected since I left. Dennis, that's what you're facing, buddy. That's what you're facing. We are single-minded and laser-focused on getting you and all of your ilk the hell out of our union as leadership. You can still be members. We're not mad. No, but, oh, that's another thing. Nobody, no matter what those charges were from the the members from 3,000, ever asked for a member's membership to be removed. And your retaliation asked for membership to be stripped. And Dennis, we know that your president read a little statement before they voted on this. And we know that statement was meant to intended to influence the vote because it was read, read prior to the vote. Dennis, who wrote that little statement? Who wrote that? I'm guessing we both know. You try and take people's, our members' membership away from them because they try to uphold the law? Dennis, shame on you and your boys and girls. Hmm? Not a good thing, Dennis. It's not going to play well in Peoria, as they say. Sorry, Dennis, we're coming. We're going to take over. We're going to run our union like a real union. We're going to represent the members in the interest of membership. We're not going to cozy up to management. And I'm going to tell you one last thing. Work 
American Fur Living Caucus is not for sale. Not by any actor, entertainer, musician, or any corporation on this planet. We're not for sale. That's the end of my report tonight, fellas, and our off-air leadership. Thank you for all the people in the in the uh, switchboard tonight. We really appreciate you here listening, uh, and all the listeners. I'll ask uh, Jeff. Do you have anything to add to my report or comment? No, you hit, you hit it right on the nail. Um, he didn't do his job properly once again, and we are not backing down. So, good report. That's why we exist. Right, Jeff. I mean, would you be so involved in all of this if if everything was being run correctly? No, I, if if everything was done correctly, I would be happy minding my own little business. Right. Yeah. 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 Me too. Yeah. David, do you have anything to add to my report comment? <laughs> no, Tom. You covered everything that I would have to say, Larry. Very good report. Thank you. Appreciate it. Um, we, you know, every week we have a call and we, we talk about the things that need to be addressed. And these are by consensus, by and large. We don't take a vote only on certain items like the endorsing of a, a good union sister for governor of Iowa. We did vote on that with a roll call vote. Uh, and there's a few things that we vote. And sometimes we just, you know, make calls during the week, do you support this or that? So these are things that our leadership team asked to be brought to the show tonight. We thank the leadership team, all of our on-air and our off-air leadership. We really much, we're very much appreciate each and every one of you. And soon, at the appropriate time, the rest of the membership will know who you are. Uh, the problem becomes every time we've had somebody on openly on the show that's part of our team, they get attacked in their own environment, whatever that environment is. And we've actually had some folks, uh, you know, just give up and quit. I mean, they one fella quit and went to work you know, at his own little company and went back and started doing that. And, you know, we're, you know, we're wishing him the very best. Good brother, always support him. Just uh, after the attacks, he quit. So you're not going to find out who our off-air people are until it's time. There's a couple of holes out there. But it's filling, filling up. The team is, by and large, intact. Intact. And very, very supportive and active in their own right to doing the right thing and supporting the positions that we present here in public. So again, thank you all the leadership team. Thank the listeners. Thanks to each and every one of our members. Hold hope and solace that sanity will be regained at our union, that we will indeed begin to act in the interest of you. 
old hope out. Next week I'll talk about a conversation that I had with him, with a brother earlier today. I also want to say one thing. Not everybody in our country is doing well. Today, today, a woman, I was buying gas, and a woman across the street had some people pushing her down a very busy street. Four people pushing her car. They got her off the road. I finished my gas, and they left. She's still sitting there in her car, crying. I pulled over and into the parking lot where she was. I says, hi, I'm, I'm Leroy McKnight, and uh, I'd like to help you. What do you need? She said, I don't, I ran out of gas, and I don't have a gas can, and I'm really in distress. I really don't know what to do. I says, well, just stop everything you're doing. Wherever you got to go to get a gas can, we'll go there. I'll take you. It's free, and I'm safe. I passed all kinds of background checks to get a number of different licenses that I have. I'll take you, get your can, come back, get your gas, and we'll get the car, and I'll stay and make sure it's running. I can't tell you how much she thanked me for helping her. Taking 20 minutes out of my life to help somebody in distress. I didn't care who she was. She was in distress and needed some help. We need to go ahead and act on those things when we see them to help our fellow man or woman. So I just encourage each and every listener, brother, sister, member, When you see somebody in distress and you think you can give them a hand without being a creeper or something crazy, stop by and say hi. Introduce yourself. Say, what can I do to make your day better? With that, I'll ask, uh, uh, David, do you have anything at all to add to our show this evening? Anything you want to comment on? Okay, Jeff, do you have anything at all to add or comment on that you, you know, just like to say to the listeners and members? No, just everybody be safe. Um, have a good week, and we will be back here next Sunday. Right. Okay, you know, uh, if you found some value in in this show tonight, even though it's bad times. Uh, we'll get through this. this. We'll get through it. Uh, it's going to take a while because we know there's more coming. We know there's more coming. Uh, but if you found value, tell one other person. Our email address, for those of you who want to comment or email us, is workingforaliving at workingforaliving. You can see our or listen to our show 
by going to working for a living, we're syndicated through four feeds, and those feeds are on the top right-hand corner. You can access those by the thumbnail that's appropriate to you, iTunes, Stitcher, Player FM, or Blog Talk Radio, those four little pictures on the right sidebar at the top or how you do that. You can listen to the show anytime because this turns into a podcast later. Um, thanks to all our friends, Nate, and around the world to listen. Thanks to all of our friends uh, in our, our nation to listen. Thank you to our Mexican and Canadian listeners. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, until next week, have a safe week. Have a lot of fun. Be careful at work because we do dangerous jobs. There's hope. Hold out hope. We know what we're doing. Have a good night. Good night, Jeff. Good night, David. Good night. Good night, listeners. Good night, everybody.